Hola, hola, hola. You are listening to Se Ves Escucha, Seen and Heard, a language justice podcast for interpreters and everyone else who interprets. I'm Ada. And I'm Andrea. We're here at the studios of 103.3 Asheville FM in Asheville, North Carolina with our compas Manuel, Leonel, and Emma. And today we will be introducing the team of Se Ves Escucha. So for a long time we have been dreaming and scheming about doing this language justice podcast. And here it is. Here it is. I think that this is an opportunity to talk about our work. This is an opportunity to talk about language justice, to talk about language justice in Western North Carolina, and to bring in this conversation with interpreters, translators, movement folks, and people who are doing interpreting. Um, so that's the idea behind the podcast. And we are going to start off introducing the team. So we're here at the studios with Lionel, Manuel, su servidora Ada, uh, and Andrea. Um, and who wants to go first? Who wants to introduce themselves first? Hi, my name is Manuel. And well, I was born in Veracruz, Mexico, and I lived in Mexico City until the age of 20. I have lived since I was 20 years old in Hendersonville. And now I'm in my third decade. I'm 32. Hi, I'm Leonel, and I'm 29 years old. Almost reaching my third decade, but not quite yet. Okay, and I have lived in Nashville for approximately three years. I lived in Greenville for almost 18 years. So Asheville is new for me. But I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm Andrea, and I've been living in Asheville for almost 20 years now. So I am m about to move beyond the third floor. I do language justice work uh, with the Center for Participatory Change. Um, I also do language justice work through Sensuantle Language Justice Cooperative. And some of the hardest and most beautiful language justice work I do at home uh, with my partner and our three children. And lastly, I'm Ada. I've lived in Asheville this year, I will have lived in Asheville as long as I lived in Mexico. So uh, I came to the United States when I was 18 years old. I've been in Asheville for 18 years. I've been interpreting for a really long time. I work for the Center for Participatory Change. Uh, soy orgullosamente norteña del norte de México. And that's it. All right. So I want to know, how do we know each other? How did we meet? What it was like? How do we know each other? And I think that you and I, you and I should start. Many, many years ago, I think we decided like 12 years ago, mm -hmm. 12 years ago, Golden and I were at a meeting at the Latino Steering Committee meeting, which was something that happened here in Asheville with like service providers who worked with Latino immigrants. And I was at this meeting and this woman came in with a little tiny baby in diapers in a rebozo and I was trying to remember this this morning, but something had happened. Someone had put up a billboard in Asheville and it was like a distress. It was like the Mexican flag over the U.S. flag. But I couldn't remember what the banner said, but it was like some anti-immigrant billboard. It said something like, had enough? That's right. That's right. And so we were in this meeting and I was incensed because this billboard had been put up and nobody cared. No. Oh, you don't... A ver, ¿qué pasó? We were incensed because the billboard had been put up and then someone had painted on the billboard in response. Do you remember this? 
someone had gone up there and painted like had enough of racism they had added to it to you know flip the message again and there was this debate happening at the meeting about why do uh, property destruction that's going to destroy the immigrant rights movement do you remember this you're right we have to be decent and we have to follow the rules Uh uh-huh and so you and i both cried in anger you started i started yeah and then I followed. <laughs> and then pretty much been it's, it's been like 12 years of that same crying um, and leading and following. Um, yeah, so that's how we met. Then we meet Manuel. Another thing that's interesting about how we met was what we were both doing next door to each other on Orange Street. Oh, that's where right. You were, where you were working when that's I was right. doing. We have like other parallels. There's going to be a lot of parallels. So I worked as an immigration specialist at Catholic Social Services. I was super young. I dressed like a nun and I filled out immigration paperwork. <laughs> and I think you wore turtlenecks. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely wore <laughs> turtlenecks. Um, and then right next door to Catholic Social Services was FemCare, which was the only abortion provider in Western North Carolina. And I had started out as a volunteer um, walking people from their cars into the clinic and then had gotten asked to interpret and it started an interpreter collective that supported the clinic. And so there we were side by side at Catholic mm-hmm. Social Services and FemCare and it was in the stars for us to find each other. And I think something that we sometimes forget about talking about is pretty soon thereafter, um, there is a group of women who want to start a Latino community center. There's another group of women who want to start a Latino community center um, here in Asheville, those two groups come together and we are two of the co-founders of Nuestro Centro, which I think sometimes we don't say enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are also comadres. Mm-hmm. Um, so that little boy in diapers is now 13. And now there's two more. So we're also comadres. Entonces there's all, all kinds of connections. Um, so then next, I think, who meets Manuel first? I met Andrea the first day she returned from Mexico. And it kind of hurts that she doesn't remember meeting me. <laughs> but no, it was I was at a friend's house. And first I met her children, who were very young at the time. And I remember very clearly uh, Yare was saying, Yare is her youngest daughter, uh, saying that she was never going to speak English. <laughs> um, and after that, well, that was when the first time that I saw her. Then I met Ada at the meeting where, where you said, no papers, no fear. And I, I gave a little bit of, I, I talked a little bit about my history and then the next time we saw each other is when we met up. Yo me acuerdo muy bien. I remember it was at a protest downtown, and I think it was like a coming out of the shadows event, and Manuel was there with his camera, and I was like, who the heck is that? Who's that guy with the long hair? Who's with the camera? Why are we not friends yet? Why are we not friends? Like, ¿qué pedo? ¿Quién es? ¿Quién no lo presenta? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pero luego, ¿cómo conocemos a Manuel? And Manuel uh, helped us with um, these videos that we made. And that was kind of like the first thing that we did. So we wanted to kind of like go into this other medium and try like YouTube tutorials for interpreters and try to like spread some of the work that we've been doing here in Western North Carolina. And so 
Manuel and his company, Mente Visual Films, helped us film like seven or eight videos, which you can find on YouTube, talking about interpretation and interpreter role in ethics and Spanglish and um, all kinds of things. And so I think that was the first time that we worked together. He asked us to make a storyboard and we drew it out on cardboard. Remember that when we used to pretend that it was a screen that we could zoom in on? That, that was about our style wow. back then. And then Lionel comes into the mix. How does Lionel oh, come I, into I the mix? I think I, I came in through Andrea because I knew Andrea uh, from my wife, their friends. And that's, that's the, we're here now. Mm-hmm. I, mean, uh, I mean, I think I shared some of, some of my work with you, right? And then she's like, oh, we want to work together. And I don't know, and this and that. And then we- I guess I want to ask the, the next question, which is about language. Um, and I think that, you know, what does, I think one of the questions was like, what does language justice mean to you? But I think it's easier to start with, like, what is your story of language? Um, and what is your story of language in this country, in, in home country? You know, what is your experience with language? My experience with language was a little bit, we can say stressing, because when I, when I came into this country and I, I didn't speak any English at all, and then I would hear little kids talking and I was like eight years old too. And I would hear little kids talking and it would, it was so, it was so like, I was so desperate to um, understand what they were uh, trying to say or they were saying that I, that I um, committed myself to learn English in less than a year. So I, that was, I took ESL in, in school, what they gave me ESL in school. And, and, and like less than a year I learned English, like, yeah, I was like, wow, it's, it's pretty amazing when like, um, like things like that, when they, when you have limitations to communicate with other people and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. What, what, like, tus ganas de, de querer aprender. And Leonel, you also come from a multilingual family, right? Sí, también. Yo, my, my mom's side and my parents' side, they, um, they speak Otomi and Ñañu, which called Ñañu. It is the dialect or the language originally from Hidalgo, from Ixmiquilpan, from the Mesquital region of Hidalgo. And well, I'm, I'm like, let's say bilingual, and and I understand a lot of Otomi, Ñañú, and todo, pero casi no, no, este, no hablo. Hasta que esta vez que tuvimos el, este, el, el seminario, digamos, de todos esos, de todas esas clases que tuvimos, my experience with language, well, as I mentioned before, I arrived here when I was 20 years old. And ever since I arrived, I didn't have any need to learn to speak English at the jobs that I had because all of the managers and everyone from housekeeping and maintenance spoke Spanish. And when... But I was limiting myself, like, from getting to know Asheville. When I arrived, I only went from work to home every day. It was the same. And then when I started wanting to learn English was when the door opened to get to know other places. Like getting to know Asheville. And also because there are a lot of people here that speak Spanish. 
That's also what made me fall in love with Asheville. Fortunately, I haven't suffered any kind of discrimination because of my language, but I have faced many limitations for not knowing how to speak English. So with that being said, I think I'll just say that I grew up um, code switching all the time. I grew up in Matamoros. My house was in front of the Rio Grande Rio Bravo. I crossed every day to go to Catholic school in Brownsville, Texas. My parents really struggled with me speaking in Spanish. Um, I would get laughed at a lot, I think, by the family. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. I would be, you know, made fun of because my Spanish wasn't perfect. And um, I just... I feel like English and Spanish and the border and both of these countries are such a big part of me. Um, and now doing language justice work and now doing interpretation work, it like takes me back to Matamoros, to Brownsville, like to all those bridges, to that river, to that place. Um, so that's part of my, my language justice journey. Um, I guess for me, I didn't grow up in one place. My family moved around a lot. Um, People will ask me where my accent is from, and I think it's because I've lived in so many places, and so my accent is a big mix of a lots of different uh, towns and cities and states and places. And But ever since I was a kid, I was always a real language nerd. Uh, every time we moved, when we moved into a new neighborhood, if there was a different language, I would beg my mom to take me to the local community college and take like adult education classes. So there would be like seven years old sitting with my mom at Japanese class, at ASL class. And I've always just really liked languages. I mean, I've always, I was always a kid that was really into seeing how many things my brain could do at once. Like tapping my leg while tapping my foot while doing math. So I feel like in some way my brain was always kind of wired around language and learning different languages. Um, and now with my kids, my three kids, uh, their first language was Spanish. And so I feel like um, now a lot of that journey is continuing to see that the choices that my kids make and, and my role to support them. Leonel, I want to ask you about your kids and what it's been like raising uh, your kids. In my experience, I think that um, being bilingual is very, it's a big advantage. And for them, I always... They tell them to speak Spanish at home. And then when you go out to um, wherever you're going to go, you just uh, if you if you need Spanish, use it. If you need English, use it. But it's not it's not necessarily tied to speak English only or speak Spanish only. Yeah, I mean, I, I let them I, I let them know that their roots and that that the languages are both of them are very important. So. I mean, they, they need to use both of them and they need to be fluent. So what would you all say if, you know, when we ask, like, what does language justice mean to you? What would you say? For me, language justice is feeling comfortable and being able to express what you really feel. I realized, like you mentioned, when I started working with them on the videos, the video that I made for CPC, well, it was like any job for me. But once I was in those places and seeing the work that Ada and Andrea were doing, how important it is to express your anger, your happiness, and to express what you really feel in the language that you feel better speaking. 
So for me, that is language justice. It is empowering yourself. Because if you try to translate or interpret it yourself into another language, I think it takes a lot of power away from your feelings. I feel silly because I feel like I should know this. And I think that's one of the things that maybe with this podcast we'll like figure it out. Um, I think about when we were doing uh, interpreter high an interpreter club at the high school. And we were like, what do you all think language justice is? And one of the young people was like, well, isn't it just that? Like the right to speak your language? I was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, but I think that it, it's, it's the right to speak your language. It's the right to speak your language the way that you want to speak your language. It's the right to be heard. Um, it's the right to be listened to. Um, it's the right to, um, I think, to, to have that part of you um, included in, in the conversation. And I think included in the conversation of justice, included in the conversation of social justice, included in the conversation of the world and the movements that we want to live in and be a part of. It is very important because, um, like, um, I mean, you feel included or you feel excluded, either one of them. And then with you knowing the language and with you speaking your mind in whatever language you feel comfortable in, It's, it's very, it's very, like, um, empowering. Like, like I mean, I think it's I interesting said. to think about our relationship to language and language justice as uh, individuals, as families, as communities, and then as movement. Mm -hmm. um, and how we've come to find our, one of our places in movement work as interpreters. So that part of language justice is um, supporting communication between people to do liberation work together. And I think it's interesting because I think Leonel and Manuel, y'all have kind of done a similar thing. You do media work, videography, radio, audio, photo, and you've found a way to bring that skill into our collective uh, liberation movement work to make it stronger. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that and why? Well, I got involved in, uh, in the whole uh, media part, mainly because of... Um I mean, I started ra I started doing radio before, but when I started here, one of the things that I that I love was the sense of community that that uh, Asheville has, and especially that the people that surround, let's say CPC, it's amazing how you guys like have fun and help at the same time, and and it's very satisfying to see that, and I wanted to be a part of that, so that's the reason why I'm here. The reason why, um, like, it makes me feel uh, complete in, in every way. Because I, we help other people. Um, we help other people know that there are these possibilities. That there are these type of, uh, like, help. That there's this type of help for other people that don't speak the language. Or for people that do speak the language but don't speak... Like, the, they don't speak the language by birth, either mm -hmm. Spanish or English. Mm -hmm. And they want to communicate to um, their community. And could you tell us maybe a little bit about what you work on? So what you work with GBD Productions and Radio Emma, right? I work with Radio Emma and, and GBD Productions. I started um, GBD Productions like three years ago. And then um, when, I, when, when I saw the movement, 
of the um, like Latino community here in Nashville is when I started. I was like, there's no, there's no, there's no radio station like either internet radio or uh, like uh, on air radio in Nashville. So I was like, I, I want to start something. I want to start something um, that'll that'll bring people together. That'll bring either um, like Latinos and and I mean Asheville like community together. And so I decided to um, start Radio Emma, and we started Radio Emma, and right now we're just like holding so we can just just explode completely because it's it's a very exciting project, and I'm very excited to um to know that there are like uh, young people interested in in, in doing radio and and trying to um, interact with their community. My work with Mentevisual Films is more directed at recording social events like birthdays, weddings, and baptisms. And I think that the way that I get involved is more personal. It's not part of the business. I try to support however I can, and if video helps in some way, I use it, but I haven't had many opportunities to create videos to help the community, although I would like to. The reason I haven't is because we have had a lot of work with the social events that we cover. And I want to say that I think that one of the important things to say is that you all are listening to this podcast, which is based out of Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and we keep mentioning Asheville, a small southern city in southern Appalachia. And I think a hub of language justice work in the United States. Um, and we can get into that, maybe into that history farther in another episode. But I just want to say that I think you can hear the love that we have for our community. And I think this community has been a place where language justice has been able to grow. And I think that over the episodes, you all will be able to hear a little bit more about uh, why we love our community and how this work has, has been happening here over the years. So part of the reason why we wanted to do this first episode with Meet the Team is we felt like it was really important uh, for all of y'all out there listening to get to know the folks that are behind this podcast. Um, I think part of the most, um, something that's really powerful about the work in Western North Carolina, in Buncombe County, in Asheville, is that we really believe in collective work. Um we love each other and we love the work and we wanted that to really shine through in our podcast. And so we wanted to take the time to get to know each other, to get to know our stories, to get to know what brings us into the room. And in further episodes, um, we are hoping to talk about all kinds of things like our interpreter training, like queering language. Uh, we might even take some like interpreter or language justice Q&A, like sending in your letters. Um, so, so those are some of the things that we hope to be talking about in the future of CBS Escucha. So from here on out, Manuel and Leonel might be a little bit more behind the scenes. So, algo que quieren decir para cerrar? Gracias por thank you for listening to us and thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. podcast. I hope that you like the following episode. I want everyone to know that we promise to give it our all 
Le vamos a echar todas las ganas y salga tan bueno como lo tenemos pensado. So, thank you to the studios of 103.3 Asheville FM, WSFM LP in Asheville, North Carolina. On behalf of Manuel de la Luz of Mente Visual Films, Leonel Gutierrez of GBD Productions, and Andrea Golden and Ala Volkmer of the Center for Participatory Change, thanks for listening. This episode is produced by Mente Visual Films and GBD Productions. Music by Combo Chimbita. <laughs>